It's definitely an animal product. It can never be called vegetable item. It's a misnomer. It's a deception. <coughs> Friends, I will now turn to the economical aspect. Now, these also I have studied from various journals, medical science, and more important from the statistics department of the government of India and government of America, the UK government, etc. But I will uh, not, that's why, give you the citations during my talk, but I will give you the summary. UK. The, sur the survey has stated the land required to produce the fodders to feed the animals to obtain flesh food is 14 times more than that required for vegetable diet to feed men directly. Because what happens, first you grow fodder, you feed it to the animals, and then you kill the animals for flesh food, and that is how you get your flesh food. But the, if the same land is used for agriculture, for pulses and cereals, that same piece of land can support many more families, and here only few families can be supported by using this land for pasture. I have been given one statistics, 10 square acres of land can support 10 heads of human beings or 10 heads of cattle for the whole year. But 10 heads of cattle for meat cannot support even one single person throughout the year. Natural grass or pasture can and grain crop both genetically belong to grass family. You see, once the crop is harvested, what we have is sashish or stalks. These are again the source of, excellent source of biochemical fertilizer or manure. Look how many crores of rupees of our foreign exchange we are wasting on artificial fertilizer and chemical fertilizer, which we all know is extremely harmful to us. But because we are not able to get the natural manure, which we can get from cattle and animals, we are destroying them, foolishly destroying them for our own food, but we are not uh, considering the fact that the manure that these animals produce are much more economical, much more healthier, and much more useful to our country. It's now well-known fact that 16 kilograms of food grain are required to be fed to one animal for forming one kilogram of meat. Thus, by feeding animals red for slaughter, the country is deprived of vital food grains which can feed many, many more people. So not only for growing food, but also for pasture and for manure, we require land. The humans, the human oncogene work done by Professor Wilbing from Massachusetts, it has stated that to obtain one calorie of animal flesh, seven vegetable calories have to be spent. Then the study further shows that the land needed to graze one average animal can sustain five average families. I will not burden you with facts and figures, but the summary of all this is that, that it is very economical to feed people on veg diet rather than on flesh food. Now let's take the other point of view of economy, ecology, environment, slaughterhouses, etc. Production of animal flesh food require more land, more water, more food grains for feeding animals meant for slaughtering. Now this will again destroy or rather disturb the balance of our ecology and environment. Because the resources are always limited, we have to make best use of that. Either we grow crops or we 
rare animals for slaughtering. And look at the way the slaughterhouses work, how they are maintained. It's simply a hygienic horror. The conditions are appalling and totally unsanitary all over the world. Yesterday only on internet I got a report from foreign countries, uh, advanced countries of America and France that the conditions of slaughterhouses there also it is reported are totally unsanitary. I got a copy of white papers from a government accountability project of America, fighting filth on the kill floor, a matter of life and death for America's families. Slaughtering of animals, meat processing plants, and finally most unhygienic ways of transport and sale of flesh food has made flesh food totally unfit for human consumption. And do not think for a moment that imported packaged, nicely packaged meat or canned meat is uh, totally hygienic. No, my dear friends, that is also coming from those slaughterhouses where all these things which I have stated of uh, medical science will apply. Not only that, they add certain preservatives, certain chemicals, certain additives which will keep the meat fresh. Environmental consciousness in India and abroad has now driven many people to vegetarianism. Environment friendly veg foods are now available. The craze now in all over the world is to go for environmental friendly veg food because it is considered friendly and healthy. <coughs> the green factories or glass houses are now exporting plant food including fruits to those countries which cannot grow them because of climate. The modern transportation system has given a much better alternative for food choice. In fact, for developing nations like India, government and NGOs should give more emphasis on larger production of more exports of plant food, which will solve the economic development of our country. Now look at the pollution. The pollution caused by legal and illegal slaughterhouses is terrific. The discharge of effluents from even so-called modern abattoirs is in the open and exposed to elements and public gaze. The carcasses of animals, the flow of blood, the horrible stench, etc., will add to the pollution. Ecological balance. <coughs> Utility of animal world for human welfare cannot be overemphasized. Both are interdependent. Cows, sheep, fish, frogs, etc., are much more useful to us alive than dead. Then why should we kill? our friends and our helpers for our, to satisfy our taste buds, we should not be so much ungrateful, my friends, to our lesser beings, we call them animals or birds. Look at, the, look at it from another point of view of natural manure. I've already stated that the animals produce much more natural and healthy manure than the artificial manure. Artificial chemicals, manures cost us dearly. Now again, I'm coming back to our economic term. It's we are importing artificial chemicals for uh, manure purposes. That is again a drain on our exchequer. Friends, I will now briefly give you historical and geographical views. I've already touched upon it. Historically, in certain dry areas of miles and miles of desert, where no vegetable can ever grow, maybe only food was survival was the animal food. Geographically, I stated as like Eskimos, it is there was no alternative. But when, once we have got this better alternative, 
which is healthier, which is more economical, which is more eco-friendly, why not go for such food? And friends, I will now go to the most important uh, point, which will prove my point beyond any doubt that why man is vegetarian by nature. I've got some 16 points here to compare how our body is built up. As Mr. Trivedi has started the ball rolling in this fashion of bovine teeth and um, non-bovine teeth, teeth embed. Now I will first say about herbivorous, teeth of herbivorous any, uh, animals are embedded in the jaws, short, blunt, close to one another. While in carnivorous, they are sharp, pointed, long and conical. The uh, two or four teeth that we have got, like uh, some people say they are like dog animals. They are not for meat eating, but they are found also in apes and chimpanzees, and which are, fru uh, they, which are fit for uh, plucking the fruits and fruits and eating the fruits. The claws, no sharp nails for herbivorous. They are fit to pluck fruits only, while in carnivorous, the sharp nails helps in tearing apart the prey easily. Jaws and chewing habits. Jaws of a herbivorous will move up and down, left and right, that is in all directions, they swallow their food after chewing. While the carnivorous, the lower jaw moves upwards and downwards only, they swallow their food without mastication. Now friends, you go on comparing this, I will only say herbivorous and carnivorous. It is for you enlightened friends to see how our human uh, body and parts of our human body will fit, whether it will fit with herbivorous animals or with carnivorous animals. Tongue. The tongue of herbivorous is quite smooth, while that of carnivorous is very rough. Water drinking habit. That's a very important thing. My friend Dr. Paris Dalal told me. He said that these herbivorous animals, they drink water with lips by suction, while all the carnivores, they drink the water with tongue, they lap up. We don't do it. We always use our lips. Now come to the length of instant, in, intestines. Longer intestines are found in herbivores, about four times the body length. This cannot quickly expel the flesh food, while in carnivores, smaller size of intestine, almost equal to the body length, and helps to expel flesh food before it gets contaminated. Liver and kidney, smaller in proportion in herbivorous, so they are unable to throw out waste material easily. While in carnivorous, liver and kidney are longer in proportion, so they can throw out waste material easily. Digestive system, there is a less hydrochloric acid in digestive system of herbivorous, thus flesh cannot be digested easily, while obviously in carnivorous, the quantum of hydrochloric acid is much more and that is why they can digest the flesh food, but human being cannot. Salvia. In herbivorous, like human being, the salvia is alkaline and contains phytalin which helps in digesting carbohydrates found in the grains, while in carnivorous, there is the salvia is always acidic. The blood pH is alkaline like human being and herbivorous and acidic in carnivorous. The blood, the blood lipoproteins. Human blood lipoproteins is similar to all herbivorous while 
it is not similar to that of carnivorous sense sense is weak all the senses particularly the eyesight is weak in herbivorous and very powerful in carnivorous sound the voice is not the herbivorous sound or even the human sound is not frightening unless of course we can make it now frightening but by nature the sound of all herbivorous is mild while that of carnivorous like lions and tigers is very coarse and frightening and lastly infants normal sight power of right from now see the young ones of uh, herbivorous right from the moment of birth they can see very clearly while all the infants of carnivorous wild animals are blind at least for a week now friends it is for you to justify whether man fits by nature in this category of herbivorous grain eaters or in the category of carnivorous the flesh eaters now friends i will now tell you about certain great persons who condemned flesh food looking at the world's history we find that all great scholars philosophers scientists like einstein artists like leonardo da vinci poets like milton pope shelley and writers like george bernard shaw and religious leaders of course of the world now who are those people the mathematician the pythagoras the plutarch newton and einstein the scientist dr any besant reverend dr walter walsh george bernard shaw tolstoy the greek philosopher socrates and aristotle they are all enlightened people and they say yes sir they say that blessed are those with noble qualities of tolerance and compassion love and non violence who are not flesh eaters now friends i will quote from george bernard shaw which is very famous and widely published we are living graves of murdered beasts listen what he says we are living graves moving graves of murdered beasts slaughtered to satisfy our appetites like carrion crows we live and feed on meat regardless of the sufferings and the pain doctors once advised bernard shaw he was very ill he said that you must take some meat soup bernard shaw said i'll prefer death than to have anything with flesh food and believe me friends he survived and the doctor turned vegetarian in the similar way mahatma gandhi his son was very sick he was advised meat soup and he refused and the son survived why i am telling you friends all these things that mr trivedi said yes medically whatever the doctor says we have to accept no doubt but as i said in the very first thing in the beginning i said everything is relative when doctor says something he will say only from medical point of view and friends we are not living here the, we are here on this earth not only to survive survival is important but not at the cost of others and inflict pain on others thank you very much friends 21st century will belong to vegetarians okay i think i have made my point on very general terms friends i will tell you that i know those who are regularly flesh eaters are coming from some culture some family some faith and that is why they have never applied their mind and that is what mr trivedi stated that let's we are here today we have gathered here 
let us apply our mind that not only from religious angle or from our social angle because i have seen i i i i don't i'm not afraid to say that many of our jain friends when they go to certain gatherings because they are afraid of the social status they start eating meat i don't like that but then it is for everybody whether he is a vegetarian or a non vegetarian apply your mind try to see from all these angles whether it is permitted or prohibited from our own health point of view from the national point of view from the social point of view from ecological from environmental and above all from compassion point of view friends when nature has created all animals all humans all creatures equal nobody has got right to kill anybody just to satisfy his own palates thank you very much ladies and gentlemen dr zakir naik to present his talk alhamdulillah was salatu was salam ala rasulillah wa ala ali wa sahbi ajmain amma ba'd a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu awfu bil uqud uhillat lakum bahimatul anam illa ma yutla alaykum bismillahir rahmanir rahim rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wahlul uqdatam min lisani yafqahu qawli respected mr rashmi azawari mr trivedi dr mohammad naik the respected people on the dais my respected elders and my brothers and sisters i welcome all of you with islamic greetings assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh may peace mercy and blessings of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala almighty god be on all of you the topic of this morning's debate is is non vegetarian food permitted or prohibited for a human being it is not whether vegetarian food or non vegetarian food which is healthy or which is better if i prove that an apple is better than a mango that doesn't mean mango is prohibited this statement is sufficient to end the dialogue for me but i have to reply <laughs> non vegetarian by definition means a person who has food of animal origin it does not mean a person who does not have vegetarian food it does not mean a person who does not have vegetables and fruits let it be very clear to all of you a more technical and a scientific word is an omnivorous diet a person who has many types of food especially foods of plant and animal origin vegetarian as mr rashmi has very rightly said it doesn't come from the word vegetables it come from vegetas which means full of breath full of life he didn't give a better explanation we can talk about it and he didn't speak there are various types of vegetarian we have fructarian who need fruits and nuts then we have the vegans who don't have any animal products we have lacto vegetarian what i believe mr ashmi has a various they have milk we have the ovo vegetarians who have eggs we have the lacto ovo vegetarian who have egg and milk also 
We have the pesco vegetarian who eat fish. We have semi-vegetarian who also have chicken. This classification is done by the vegetarian society, not by me. And you can name another 20. Time doesn't permit me. I would like to state a quotation by Dr. William T. Jarvis. Dr. William T. Jarvis, he is the advisor to the American Council of Science and Health, ACSH. And he's also the professor of public health and preventive medicine in the Loma Linda University. And he's also the founder and the president of the National Council Against Health Frauds. And he's the co-editor of the book, The Health Robbers, A Closer Look at Quackery in America. Most of the quotation came from America. And according to him, he classifies vegetarian based on the behavior standpoint into two categories, pragmatic vegetarian and ideological vegetarian. A pragmatic vegetarian chooses his diets on objective health reasons. He is more reasonable in his approach rather than emotional. The ideological vegetarian, on the other hand, he chooses his diet based on a principle, which is based on ideology. He is more emotional rather than reasonable. And Dr. William B. Jarvis says, one can spot an ideological vegetarian by his exaggerations of the benefits of vegetarianism. And you could see that in the talk which preceded my talk. Exaggeration of benefits of vegetarianism and the lack of skepticism and the overlooking of the fact that extreme vegetarianism can lead to potential health risks. He says that the ideological vegetarian, he pretends to be like a scientist, but he's more like a lawyer than like a scientist. And you could see that in the talk by the learned speaker. More like a lawyer than like a scientist. They gather data and information selectively against the information which is against the ideology. This may be good for a debate like the one we are having, but not for engendering scientific understanding. Dr. William D. Jarvis says that ideological vegetarianism is filled with hypothesis. It is filled with extremism from which even scientists and doctors are not immune. And that you can see the quotation. Mr. Rashmi Azaveria has spread several diseases. And it's possible for me to refute each and every, but if time permits. Talking about science, but the approach was not scientific. All can be prevented very well. Prevention is better than cure, is the base of the medicine which time will not permit me to go into health reasons, etc. In the rebuttal, if time permits, I'll try and cover most of the other aspects. And health, I will try and cover in the rebuttal. Let's analyze the various reasons why a person chooses a food habit. It can be religious. It can be geographical location. It can be a personal choice, smell, taste, color. Due to humane or ethical consideration. Due to anatomical, and physiological consideration, behavioral consideration. It can be due to ecological and economical consideration. It can be due to nutritional value or due to health and scientific reasons. 
health and medical reasons. Let's first analyze the religious reasons. Mr. Tevedi said that religion should not interfere with the human being where it's concerned what we should eat and what we should not eat. There you should leave it up to the doctors. I agree with him that most of the religions, that is the case. The religious authorities, the main foundation that Almighty God, if he's not a doctor, the God that you worship is not a doctor, then you should not follow him. He says, leave it to the doctors. But in Islam, we believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Almighty God, is our creator. And the creator of the human beings has far superior knowledge than all the doctors put together in all the years. And you can find the statements, as Mr. Rashmi has already said, all from doctors. He's quoting from these books, which I think is available for sale outside, all these books. I will touch on some of these points, all out of which many are fictitious. Fictitious don't exist at all. Some are irrelevant, some are untested, and some are truths, which are half-baked truths. I would like to make one point crystal clear. That while I prove undoubtedly that non-wage food should be permitted for the human beings, I do not have the slightest intention to hurt the feelings of any vegetarian. And while I prove logically and scientifically that non-wage food is permitted, and if someone feels hurt, his sentiments are hurt, I apologize in advance. I sincerely apologize. My intention is not to hurt anybody's feeling, but I have to reply to the presentation of the earlier speaker. As far as Islam is concerned, it is not compulsory for a human being to have non-wage. A Muslim can be a very good Muslim even by being a pure vegetarian. <laughs> but, but, when our creator Almighty God Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us permission to have non-wedge, why should we not have it? And I started my talk by giving a quotation from the glorious Quran, from Surah Maida, chapter number five, verse number one, which says, Ya ayyuhallazina amanu, O you believe, awfu bil ukud, ohillat lakum bahimatul anam, illa ma yutla alaykum. Fulfill all your obligations, and lawful for you for food are all four-footed animals with the exceptions named. Quran further says in Surah Nahal, chapter number 16, verse number 5, that cattle has been created by God for you. In it are various benefits. You derive warmth and of the meat you can eat. The same message is repeated in Surah Mu'minun, chapter 23, verse 21, that you can have the meat of the cattle. Let's analyze the geographical reasons and the surrounding environment. And as we know, it influences a person's food habit. Like people living in the coastal region, the Kokneys, they have more fish. People living in South India, they have more rice. People living in the deserts, where the scarcity of vegetation, people mainly survive on the flesh of animals. The Eskimo, the Arctic region, where there's scarcity of edible vegetation, they survive more on seafood. And 
Mr. Zaveri said that he knows that vegetable is not available in certain parts of the world. But today, due to advancement of transportation, we can supply them with vegetables. Our request, the Indian Vegetarian Congress, to supply, at least give the transportation cost, that's all, to supply to the Eskimos, to supply to Saudi Arabia. You get vegetables in Saudi Arabia, it is more expensive. Why? Because the cost of transportation. That makes it more expensive. It is illogical and unscientific to spend more money to buy a food which is less nutritious. Let's analyze the humane reasons, the ethical reasons. And the pure vegetarians, they say, that all life is sacred and no living creature should be killed. They fail to realize that today it's a universal fact that even plants have got life. So the main argument on killing a living creature doesn't hold good today. Previously, maybe, a couple of centuries ago, it may have held some weight, but today it carries no weight. Then they further argue today and they say, yes, we know that plants have got life, but they can't feel pain. Therefore, killing a plant is a lesser crime and lesser sin as compared to killing an animal. Today, science has further advanced and we have come to know that even the plants can feel pain. They can even cry. But the cry of the plant cannot be heard by the human ear because the audible frequency range of the human ear is from 20 cycles per second to 20,000 cycles per second. Anything below and above this, the human ear can't hear. But the cry of the animal can be heard by the human beings, but the cry of the plant cannot be heard by the human beings. Just because you cannot hear the cry of the plant, that doesn't justify you to inflict pain or kill the plant. There was an ideological vegetarian who had a discussion with me and told me that, Brother Zakir, I know that plants have life, they feel pain, but you know plants, they have got about two senses less as compared to the animals. I said, for sake of argument, I agree with you. But then I asked him a simple question. Let's suppose your brother is born deaf and dumb, cannot hear, cannot speak, two senses less. And when he grows up, and when someone comes and murders him, will you go and tell the judge, oh me Lord, give the murderer less punishment because my brother had two senses less? <laughs> In fact, you will say, Usne to masoom ko hai. he has killed an innocent person, give him a bigger punishment. <laughs> and further, if you analyze that in Islam, as far as living creatures are concerned, there are two types, broadly classified two types. Human beings who are living creatures and non-human beings living creatures. As far as killing the human beings are concerned, Quran says in Surah Maida, chapter number 5, verse number 32, that if any person, if anyone, kills any human being, unless it be for murder or for spreading mischief in the land, it is as though he has killed the whole of humanity. And if anyone saves any human being, it is as though he has saved the whole nation. If any person kills any human being, Muslim or non-Muslim, unless it be for murder or for creating mischief, Quran says he has killed the whole of humanity. If you save any human being, you have saved the whole of humanity. As far as non-human being living creatures are concerned, 
No human being should harm them unnecessarily, should not kill them unnecessarily for sports or for fun or for target practice. But if it is for your security and for your safety, you can stop them, you can even kill them. Or if you want for lawful food, but not just for fun and frolic or for hunting. Even if I agree that the plants are a lesser species as compared to the human beings, if you take the life of one animal, an average animal, it can feed about 100 human beings. For the same 100 human beings, you may have to kill more than 100 plants. So is it preferable to take the life of one living animal or the life of 100 living plants? Which is a bigger sin? Is it a bigger sin to kill 100 human beings who are handicapped or kill one healthy human being? Which is a bigger sin? You decide for yourself. There is a vegetarian society by the name of World Foundation on Reverence for All Life. Most of the quotation which he gave is from here and from these three books, most of them. Almost all. The name of the foundation is World Foundation on Reverence for All Life. They forgot to mention except plant life in bracket. And it says, all creation is one family. All life is sacred. What kind of an ideology is this? That you permit the killing of one family member, but do not permit the killing of the other family member. It's illogical and unscientific. You know, in America, there are vegetarian society who take students to slaughterhouses and they make them see the bloodshed and convert them to vegetarianism. It is like a doctor taking the young girls to observe and watch a difficult childbirth and then say, that's the reason you should not marry and should not have children. These are unethical forms of mind control. Unethical. Unethical. In fact, we should teach our children that when vegetables can be grown for food, why can't animals be raised for food? All life is sacred. I agree. Unnecessary killing them is wrong. But for a requirement, lawful food is permitted. Let's analyze the anatomical and the behavioral consideration. And there were a list of various things mentioned by Mr. Zaveri. You know, he was reading from paper at 100 miles per hour, asked him to note down, note down, note down. How many disease, disease? I, being a medical doctor, can answer, but how much can answer? To name 10 disease will take few seconds. To reply all 10 will take more than an hour. And he had listed a lot. I'll just try and tell you that if you go to authentic books, authentic books, not researches made by ideological vegetarians, most of the answers are given on the medical aspect. Considering the anatomical and the physiological aspect, and rightly said that if you observe the teeth of the herbivorous animal, the cow, the goat, the sheep, they have a flat set of teeth. They only have vegetables. If you observe the teeth of the carnivorous animal, lion, tiger, leopard, they have pointed set of teeth. They only have animal flesh, not non-veg 
animal flesh. They are not called as non-veg animals. They are called as carnivorous animals. There's a difference between carnivorous and non-veg. Non-veg actually is omnivorous. But if you analyze the set of teeth of the human beings, we have got flat teeth as well as pointed teeth. If Almighty God, our creator, wanted us to have only vegetables, why did he give us these pointed teeth for what? And Mr. Zaveri said, these pointed teeth, they are not referring to the dog. They refer to the apes. He doesn't know the scientific meaning of the word canine. Comes from the root word caninus in Latin, which means of dog. And canine means pertaining to the family of Canada, like wolves, dogs, etc. Scientists have given this name. Canine, meaning pertinent to dog. And he said, it doesn't look like the teeth of dogs. It refers to teeth of apes and monkeys. I believe in agreeing with the argument and proving my point than to disprove him. It's easy. Even if I agree, it is the teeth like the monkeys. Do you know monkeys also have non-veg? They have the lice. There are many species of apes who even have raw flesh of animals. Many species of apes who have raw flesh, they're omnivorous. Who says they're carnivorous? They're omnivorous. They aren't pure veg also. And many species are even called as cannibals. Some species of apes and monkeys. If you analyze the digestive system, of the human being, it can digest both veg as well as non-veg. If Almighty God wanted us to have only vegetables, why did he give us a digestive system which can digest both veg as well as non-veg? And Mr. Zaveri said that we cannot have raw flesh. I agree with him, most human beings cannot have raw flesh. In the same way, most of the human beings cannot have raw vegetables, raw vegetarian diet, like raw wheat, Raw rice, can you have it? Raw moong, raw drumstick, can you have? You'll get indigestion. So what is the argument? No, no, you have to cook them. I know as a medical doctor that raw wheat, raw rice, raw drumstick, if you have, you'll have problems. You can't digest them. So you have to cook them. Similarly with the flesh, we non-vegetarians, we cook them for easy digestion. But yet, there are certain human beings who even have raw meat. He gave the name of Eskimos. He didn't tell the root word meaning. The root word meaning of Eskimo, it literally means eaters of raw flesh. So there are human beings who even have raw meat. They're conditioned. Tomorrow if you're conditioned to eat raw wheat and raw rice, even you may be able to digest it. But most human beings cannot digest certain raw vegetables. That doesn't mean you should not have rice, you should not have wheat, that you should not have drumsticks. There are, in the herbivorous animals, an enzyme known as cellulase enzyme. And every vegetable has cellulase. And this cellulase enzyme helps in digesting the vegetables. We human beings, we don't have cellulase enzymes. Therefore, the vegetables we eat, the cellulase part remains undigested, and we call them as fibers. It's undigested. On the other hand, there are certain enzymes like lipase, trypsis, chemotrypsis, which are mainly meant for digesting 
non-vegetarian food. If Almighty God did not want us to have non-veg food, why did he give us these enzymes? And the primitive man, as said by the earlier speaker as well as the chief guest, archaeological evidence shows us clearly the Homo sapiens, the Eskimos, the Australian Aborigines, they were non-veg. So why the change now? We have the same teeth, we have the same digestive system, and he has given a list of other comparisons, which prove we can have veg. And I agree with that. Where did I ever say that you cannot have veg? A non-veg is a person who has the food of the animal products as well as vegetarian food. It's an omnivorous diet. He said that the liver and the kidney in carnivorous animal is large. In the human beings, it is small like the herbivores because the animals have raw meat. Therefore, they have to remove the toxin on a higher level. We do it by cooking the food. Therefore, God gave us a small kidney and a small liver, which is sufficient to digest both <laughs> cooked non-veg and also vegetables. Similarly, with all the arguments, HCL, it's not very acidic. Why? Because we don't require it. If you don't require it, why should God unnecessarily give it to us? Same with saliva, same with the pH of the blood, same with the lipoprotein. All the arguments are that because they have raw flesh, therefore they require it. We don't require it, so why should God give us? Yes, it's required for digesting veg food and cooked non-veg food. He said, carnivorous animals, they lick. And the herbivorous animals, they sip. We human beings, we do both. We do both. When we drink, while we drink, we sip. When we have ice cream, what do we do? We lick. <laughs> we lick also and we sip also, depending upon what is the food we are eating. Even the tea we can lick, not that we can't lick. But why do we waste time? It will take more time. <laughs> Similar with all the arguments is given about the teeth being closed. Because we also have vegetables. If God would have asked us not to have vegetables, then maybe the teeth were far apart. He asked us to have both non-veg as well as veg food. And there are various verses in the Quran talking about various foods, promogranate, talking about vegetables, talking about dates, etc., which we should have. The plants, many vegetarians say, that they regrow. Therefore, we aren't killing the plant, and there are some plants which have that facility, not all plants. There are various, which we cut, it regrows. So if this is your only argument, that because it regrows, you can have veg food, you know, if you cut the tail of the lizard, it regrows. Will you have the tail of the lizard? It's a delicacy. There are human beings, the Austin Aborigines, they relish the lizard. Will you have the tail of the lizard? And the answer will be no. You know what I'm doing now? I'm behaving like a lawyer. I'm feeling ashamed to answer all these things, but I have to do, because it is also a debate. I had come here so that we understand better and have a friendly understanding of each other, but I have to behave like a lawyer also, besides being logical and scientific, because the arguments put forth, anyone who has general knowledge can reply, but because people don't have general knowledge. Many people aren't aware. That's why these arguments may satisfy many people. And all these arguments are given in the books, which are distributed, meat eating, 100 facts by Nemi Chan, distributed by Jain organization, also by the Indian Vegetarian Congress. This is a book given to me by Mr. Zaveri. 100 facts about egg, 
vegetarian or non-vegetarian, each and every argument, each and every argument can be disproved. Ah, certain things I know that non-veg causes diseases which can be prevented. Let's analyze the behavioral consideration. He gave certain arguments. The food we eat has an effect on our behavior. I agree with him to a certain level. The food we eat has an effect on our behavior. That's the reason we Muslims have the flesh of herbivorous animal, like goat, sheep, who are docile and peace-loving. We want to be peace-loving and docile. <laughs> we don't have the meat of the carnivorous animal, like lion, tiger, dog, pig, etc. And the prophet clearly says, all these animals are prohibited. We are peace-loving people, therefore, we want to have animals which are peaceful. <laughs> and countering argument, you all eat plants and you all behave like plants. That is suppression of the senses. A lower species. I know scientifically it is wrong. I'm only behaving like a lawyer. I feel ashamed to speak these points as a medical doctor. It's not true that you eat plants, you behave like plants. But the argument he has put forth, I'm giving a counter reply. You eat plants and you behave like plants, weak and suppressed can't move properly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really apologize. I apologize. I have to reply to the arguments. I apologize if I've hurt the feeling of any vegetarian. It is not scientifically true. It's just an argument, a counter-argument. Further, he gave the list of various peace-loving people like Mahatma Gandhi, and I respect Mahatma Gandhi, because he has done certain good things for India and humanity. But if, because Mahatma Gandhi was peaceful, indicates that if you have veg food, makes you peaceful, then today if you analyze the list of the Nobel Prize winners for peace, almost all, or most of them, are non-vegetarian. <laughs> Menachin Begin, non-veg. Yasir Arafat, non-veg. Anwar Sadat, non-veg. Mother Teresa, non-veg. Mother Teresa. I want to ask you a simple question. Which man in the history of humankind is known maximum for killing maximum human beings? Can you guess? <laughs> Hitler, Adolf Hitler. He has killed six million Jews. Was he a non-veg or veg? Vegetarian. <laughs> Anyhow, there are crusaders of vegetarians. Now on the internet, if you go, they say, see, Adolf Hitler was a vegetarian, is a myth. He sometimes had non-veg. And the other side says that when he had gastric problems, that time he had vegetable foods only. <laughs> to tell you frankly, on a scientific viewpoint, I do not consider the diet of Hitler to be responsible for him killing six million Jews. Neither am I telling, irrespective whether you are a vegetarian or non-vegetarian, I'm not interested in knowing, because I, being a doctor, I know it doesn't carry any weight. There were other factors which influenced him to take this drastic step, which is totally inhuman, not the diet. 